Dan Pfefferman. And I'm Benny Shoulder, and welcome to Jewanced. We're two Jewish guys. We grew up in America, we live in Israel, and we're looking to challenge popular conceptions, think critically, examine independently, and most of all, seek nuance. Each episode will host a different guest. Together, we'll take a deep dive into politics, foreign affairs, religion, science, technology, food, the arts, business, you name it. A lot of it will deal with the Jewish world in Israel, but not all. Our goal? To create a platform where people share their stories insights and visions. No talking points, no script, no agenda. Just a deeper, nuanced understanding of the world around us. Join us as we explore, think, debate, and discuss, and perhaps most of all, listen. Juanced. You know, like like nuanced, but with a J? Yeah, they get it. Dude, let's just start. Hey everybody, Benny here coming at you with a special bonus episode of the Juwans Podcast. Uh, as many might have read in the news, uh, Russia has recently stated that they developed a COVID vaccine that they'll be giving to their population as uh, as the year proceeds, uh, which begs the question, what's going on with vaccines? And is there going to be an end to all this madness? So recently we had the great opportunity to sit down with Dr. David Mannheim uh, for a great a podcast on all things COVID and public health. And, you know, we're in unprecedented times that we'd rather not be in, longing for a day that we can go about our regular business without concern or fear. And yet we're all pretty uncertain about how or when this could happen. So in this clip, Dr. David Mannheim discusses herd immunity, vaccines, and if there's going to be a silver bullet for COVID. So we hope you enjoy it. Check it out. And remember that this and other clips are up on our new YouTube channel throughout the week. So you should check that out. And of course, uh, make sure you subscribe and follow the Juans podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, of course, we'd love it if you leave us a five star review. And for more info about Juanced, about our previous episode, what we've uh, what we've got going on and, and other things, make sure to visit us at www.juanced. That's J-E-W-A-N-C-E-D dot com. So without further ado, here we are with Dr. David Mannheim. So being that it is now political majorly in America and to a lesser extent here in Israel in terms of to a much lesser extent here I think much much lesser extent no, nobody's nobody's coming out nobody in this country is coming out and saying masks are a bad idea right right or it's my right not to can wear masks a, or whatever. can a place like the US succeed in getting out of this effectively yeah or is, um, or or is it just a vaccine is a silver bullet and that's the only thing that's if only a vaccine were a silver bullet. It's it's unclear how quickly we'll get one. It's unclear how effective it'll be. It's unclear. Like, there are lots of things. Um, herd immunity isn't necessarily a guarantee that things go away or are fixed. Can we, can we um, talk about herd immunity for a second? Uh, Let's come I'll, back get, I'll get yeah. there in a second. Um, there are lots of things. There are lots of different policies, as I said before. Like, there are lots of different ways to get to control. Um, there are some right-wing economists, Paul Romer in the U.S., um, who said like we just need to do we we need 
um, 100 million tests a week, a billion tests a week. We need to just test everybody like every couple days and just like require everybody who turns out positive to go home. And if we do this for a month or two, it's gone. And he's right. Um, what, it if requires- they, what if they came up with a test? I, and I've seen like, you know, again, on the news, tests that take a minute, tests that take an hour. Uh, yeah, would, so would that be they're like working a, on it. Right. Would that be a massive transformational, uh, you know, addition to this that, that could solve this problem? Because right now, I mean, in Israel, you take a test, you wait a couple of days. In the States, I've heard you can wait even a week it to takes, get your results back. Yeah. The, the timing piece is really critical. And I can talk about the epidemiology here just really quickly, which is um, – it doesn't matter if you know you're positive if you find out after you've already spread exactly. it to lots of right, people. Right, exactly. Um, it, it, it's okay, you know, if, if you find out that you're positive and then they isolate all of your contacts, like, the next day, then it doesn't matter that you got tested after you started spreading it because they stopped it for the next generation. But if it takes, you know, uh, my my son was exposed at school and we ended up in Bidud, and fine, like, this is kind of the new normal for how it is that this works. But we scheduled the test. They didn't have a test available for four days. Um, we got the test, and then it took another three days to get the result. That's two cycles of the people he was in touch with maybe getting exposed. Yeah. And then right, it seems people. like in that case there's no, right. there's no epidemiological value. It's simply just for your mental yeah. well-being to know if you exactly. have the thing or so, not. So um, in a lot of ways, we would be better off doing half as many tests and making sure they got back the same day. Uh, but actually what we need to do is just invest massive amounts of money. And uh, it's it's hard to do. But look, if you started offering people um, 30,000 shekel a month to work in testing centers, you'd have a lot of people who suddenly developed a abiding interest in <laughs> um, doing kind of really annoying manual work in um, kind of annoying conditions in bio labs. Um, you can just pay lots of money and get this done. Uh, you know, you should, you need, as far as testing, same day testing. Yeah, if if you want to get this, okay. How do you do notification? Well, you need good systems to do this, or just have lots of people working on it. And like, it's expensive and complicated, and like requires a lot of work to set these systems up. Yeah, I completely. And like, it's not. It's definitely not logistically simple, um, but also it's manageable. You can do that. Um, you know, pay enough, care enough, do enough, and. You can start making a difference. And, and by the way, the Northeast U.S. has shown this. Yeah, they seem to be getting out of it. Yeah. Right. Um, you, it's doable. Um, even when you start from like super high levels. So this is, this is manageable. There's nothing, there's nothing that's impossible here. It just requires a lot. You mentioned herd immunity. Yeah. Um, and I've always been curious. And again, you know, there, there's so much... There's only so much I can read and there's only so much I can pay attention to. Um, the, the Sweden case, right? We keep hearing all about the Sweden case. And from my kind of layman's view on this, it seems that they took a very different approach than the rest of the world. Do you, can can yeah. we talk about you know, um, uh, Sweden and herd immunity and did it work? Did it not work? Um, okay. What do we learn from that? So early on, there were two proposed approaches basically. One was 
stop the spread and one was what Sweden ended up doing. What the UK started doing. The right, UK right, started right, right. doing this. They said like, we're just going to let it happen and it'll be fine. Um, the worst possible way to do this is to switch strategies halfway through. Because all of the costs of controlling things um, are much higher as it spreads. So what the UK did in a lot of ways, um, I, I, I cannot um, tell you whether it would have been better for them to stick to the Sweden strategy longer. I think that ultimately, if you can manage control, that's much better. Um, but if you can't, then yeah, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be shutting down your economy if you're not going to manage control anyway. Um, that's so. So what did Sweden difficult. do? Yeah, so what exactly. Sweden did was basically they said, "Look, um, we think that our people are smart enough to make their own decisions. I, I, I won't say that the people in Sweden are smarter than people anywhere else, um, but the relationship between government and citizens." is very different different places. And some places there's just this assumption, you know, the kind of more libertarian approach of like, look, people do what they want. Um, and there's a strain of this in the U.S. certainly. Um, the relationship between government and people, if government just says, look, like we're not going to micromanage, we're going to let people make their own decisions. What ends up happening is lots of people make the smart decision. Lots of people – look, Sweden did not – everybody said like, well, they just didn't shut down and everything was basically fine. They did have much higher fatality rates than other places. They had much higher case counts. Um, but it wasn't disastrous. It was just worse than most other places early on. And they didn't even avoid most of the economic damage because – Huge numbers of people, you know, people who didn't have jobs didn't start going out in public to look for them because right. it's dangerous. People who did have jobs started trying to work from home as much as possible. Lots of people who had health problems started staying at home. Nobody was going out to bars, even when they weren't shut down, like they were basically deserted. You end it. It doesn't look that different than. But just the government wasn't saying you shut down, you stay open. Now right. You stay open, it you was it down. was people making those decisions. That led to a higher rate of spread than places that shut down. No question. It led to more deaths than places that shut down. No question. But it also kind of put them on a really clear trajectory to potentially have it spread slowly enough so that they didn't end up with the type of insanely long lines at hospitals that we're starting to see in Florida where the healthcare system is getting overwhelmed quickly yeah. that we started to see in New York before they started getting things under control. So um, they really like they flattened the curve. They flattened it enough so that it was a, a mess for a long time. But so that that works. And hopefully you hit herd immunity. Now, that's where you need to be really careful about what herd immunity is and isn't. Can, can you and, explain that to, yeah. uh, to our listeners? So what happens eventually, um, herd immunity is a status, not a strategy. Um, it can happen lots of different ways. What happens is at some point, enough people don't get sick that they don't spread the disease. One way to achieve herd immunity is to keep everybody at home indefinitely so that they spread the disease less. And then it doesn't spread. That's obviously like really economically damaging and a bad idea. Um, but it's effectively the same thing as 
having lots of people who no longer can get sick because they already got sick. Typically what happens is either lots of people have gotten sick enough so that on average when somebody new gets sick, they make, you know, they have a 50-50 chance of making one additional person sick. And so for each case, you get half of a new case and then a quarter of a new case and then it ends. Like it, it fades out. That happens on its own because most people can't get sick anymore. That can happen either because most people have had the disease or because they've been vaccinated, which is the great way to do this for most diseases. So we do this with measles and we do this with mumps and we do this, we do this with lots of diseases now where we just we artificially make it so that people have you know already had it. And even though not everybody who gets the vaccine is protected, it's enough so that like when somebody who isn't protected because of the vaccine gets exposed or somebody for medical reasons can't have the vaccine gets exposed, they don't make a lot more people sick because almost everybody's vaccinated. You can do that with vaccines. You can do that with everybody already getting sick. You can also do that with lower levels of people already having gotten sick if people come in contact with one another less frequently. So the threshold for herd immunity depends a lot on exactly um, – how infectious the disease is. Less infectious diseases require um, lower levels of population immunity to reach herd immunity. And there, there's some, um, uh, you know, I don't think you can ever say simple um, when you talk about differential equations, but they're really simple differential equations <laughs> that you can solve to find uh, where it is that this level is for different diseases. So there's there's this threshold. So the question is, how do you get there? And the answer is lots of different ways. You can vaccinate. You can let people just get sick because you don't have a vaccine available. You can do some combination. You can do either or both of those and reduce the rate at which people interact so that like you have more people work from home and wear masks more. And then like you need a lower level to achieve herd immunity. All of these things in combination can get to that level. But we're nowhere near that level anywhere. You need to have, for COVID, the number seems to be somewhere between 60 and 80% of the population has to have had COVID and recovered and stay immune. And this gets into the, we don't know everything about COVID yet. Right, and we're seeing people hard. are getting sick again or maybe it's never left It's unclear that them. that's true. So here's, here's the problem. We have... Very clear cases where somebody tests negative and then tests positive later. Right. Okay, yeah, we've seen that. Um, even, even though they had it. And the question is, is that because they tested negative because the test didn't work? You know, no test is 100% accurate. Sure. Some number of tests just didn't, didn't give the right answer. So, and, and the answer is we can't know that really. Um, we have a bunch of cases where somebody has COVID um, and they're diagnosed and then a month later, they get COVID again, even though we're really sure they recovered because we had like three negative test results in a row for them. Um, but maybe that first test result was incorrectly positive. So they never really had COVID. Right, so it just really looked like it. they did. Um, it's really hard to know that because, you know, it's, it's an incorrect test result. How do you know? There are really good reasons from a immunological standpoint to say that it's basically impossible for somebody to get reinfected a week after they recovered. Um, and the reason why is just because the way that you recover is that your immune system fights something off. If your immune system fought something off, then your immune system can fight something off. Now, the question of how long it can continue doing that differs. 
But if it can't keep immunity for a week, then either you're immunocompromised and there are like lots of other issues or um, there's something really strange going on or, or it was a false negative or false positive. Like th- those are the options. But we don't know whether people who get COVID are going to not be able to get COVID six months later. And that's a huge uncertainty. And there are some kind of preliminary reasons to think that that's possible and lots of reasons to think well, that it's unlikely. we get the flu year after year, don't we? I mean, whether, you know, sometimes flu, even if we have the vaccine. Yeah, flu is a really interesting one because uh, to kind of oversimplify, flu isn't really one virus. It's right. like sure. a thousand different viruses. So when you say like H1N1 and H3N2 and like all of these different things, those are very similar but like distinct viruses and you can get different viruses different years obviously you sure. can get a cold and then you can get flu and then you can get cold like there's there's no re- um immunologically there are some complexities there but but you you can get different diseases um flu is nasty and comes back every year because it's really good at mutating and right. changing every year so so they're a little bit different dynamics so is that going to happen with covid probably not um certainly we have almost no indication. People people started screaming, we see mutations in COVID. It yeah. might be able to do this. And the answer is no, no, no. Mutations happen all of the time. Um, what happens with flu is not just like it has a couple of places where it mutates. It actually recombines and looks like really different each time to your immune system. It's a very different type of thing. Um, could COVID recombine with other coronaviruses? Possibly. We haven't seen any evidence that it does. Um are we going to be continued to be protected as it evolves? Probably, unless something really weird happens. Most viruses can't do what flu does. Um, there, there are like kind of some really specific things that um, are beyond where I can uh, confidently talk about because I'm a policy guy who, yeah, no. we're, who we're, has we're, read the bio books. But we're, we're working on getting a biologist uh, yeah. who's an expert on COVID uh, so, on a future episode. So yeah, so there, there are a lot of reasons that this is really complicated, but. If people can get reinfected next year, then her immunity doesn't last. Uh-huh. Is it the case that people won't get won't be permanently protected? We really don't have any way to know yet. If people aren't permanently protected, will a vaccine protect them? Possibly. The way vaccines work is a little bit different. You, there are lots of cases where people don't have long-lasting protection from. Um, getting infected, but do have long-lasting protection from a vi- from a vaccine. There are lots of places where um, you can get a booster shot every ten years for tetanus and be um, you know be okay with that. Yeah. Um, like there, there are, so there's a lot of complexity there. Um, we're not going to know exactly how well vaccines do for a lot after we know that we have one and it's safe and it's this effective. We we don't know if it confers like really long-lasting. So there are tons of uncertainties here. Juanced is a joint creation of Benny Shoulder and Dan Fetherman. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts. For more information and show notes about this and previous episodes, visit us at juanced.com and feel free to hit us with your comments and suggestions. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you back for the next episode of Juanced. <laughs>